This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 and ESPN690.com. Fournette presents some challenges because it's not the production. He's a good player. He will have a market. Those talks will intensify in the coming days leading up to the draft. But there are some character concerns. He's had some issues with coaches there in Jacksonville. So I'm told from people who've worked with him, if you go into a new locker room, there could be some problems potentially. But he should have a home. That's Jeremy Fowler from ESPN on Leonard Fournette. And... You know, I think the character concerns stem mostly from 2018. Obviously, Mark Long, who we had on the program three weeks ago, doubled down on Fournette and the coaches not liking him. I'll be of credit to Mark on that, how accurate that is, and he's really been firm on it. I haven't heard as much, but, hey, we all cover the team in different ways and and different sources and different people, and, and Mark's been really adamant about that part of it. I've been more of a defender of Fournette in terms of how he kind of changed last year, uh, so to each his own, kind of like these mock drafts, kind of like the draft, kind of like players in general. It's kind of the beauty in the eye of the beholder, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I do think it's mixed feelings down there in that building about Fournette. Absolutely, and, and I, if he's gone... Is it the worst thing in the world? No. Uh, but how much the character concerns play a role and how much you have to be cautious of that as another team, uh, I think are debatable. Uh, we'll get to that in just a moment. Let's get to the callers right now. Uh, finish up the Jan Eakin Gakwe thoughts, at least for now. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Saqib joins us. Hope you're doing well. Hope you had a good weekend. Welcome to Draft Week, Saqib. And hope you don't have a 91 jersey or hope you do. You <laughs> might be here for another year. No, I still have my Austin Lane jersey. Man. <laughs> my <man>. He's going <laughs> nowhere. I know he's man. never leaving. I know he will never get traded. You better believe I'm it, good man. With that. I'm going to I mean, I wouldn't here. even take a first round pick. I wouldn't take a first, second, third, fifth for Austin Lane. Oh, man. Shoot, man. This is a marathon, right not now. a sprint. I would do it right now. I'll do the show solo. I mean, come on, man. If other radio station came in and said, we'll, we'll give you this much money, I would say deny it. <laughs> I <appreciate laughs> hey, I'm it well, I'm Is this your agent right now. <laughs> Might be. I'm Might be. <laughs> <laughs> so hey, you ain't going to franchise take me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or $17 million, I would. <laughs> hey, let me ask you guys this. this is, when you attack somebody and they're pretty much their family, when you go after the owner's son, doesn't that give you more ammo as a, as an owner to say, you know what, this guy is is a, is way too much problems. We need to get rid of him because when you go after saying what he said about with Tony and Tony was trying to calm him down on Twitter and he's still going after Tony and as as the owner Shad, he needs to say, you know what, enough is enough, bro. I'm not gonna have that on my. You are so good. We all love. Yawn. We all wanted Yawn to get paid and stay here for the rest of his career. But when you start doing what you're doing, what I'm tired, bro. Like, I'm tired of losing. Yes, I am. But, man, come on, bro. Like, enough is enough. You want to get the heck out of my city? Stop doing what you're doing, bro, and just get traded. Then you can talk. After you get traded, say whatever you want to say. Just get, you know, let, let me get what I what I want for you, and then you can go and talk whatever you want. After you get traded. That's all I'm saying is talk after you get traded. 
Sakeem, thanks for the call, man. Be well. Have a good draft week. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Brent Morton, Austin Lane, Coos here on a Monday. Hope everybody's doing well and, and healthy and, and uh, hanging out with the family's cabin fever. Maybe that's what got you on the cabin fever on <laughs> a new man. level. Uh, but, but listen, I think what, what Sakeem is saying is partly true. Jalen Ramsey hasn't really stopped talking since he left. I mean, it's a jab here, a jab there. So he's got a good point. Yeah. What his first part of that on wouldn't that make you want to trade him more? I think, again, it's worth repeating what Jan has now done, at least if I'm doing the negotiation, I'm not the smartest guy in the world and I'm not the billionaire, right? Not our own own organization. Mm -hmm. But you stoked my emotions, you now turn your principal play into an emotional play, which is now turning me into an emotional negotiator and also a principal-laden negotiator. And that principle and emotion in my part says, screw you, Jan. Mm-hmm. You ain't getting what you want. Mm-hmm. And you know what? We're not going to be that good this year anyway. I got the tag on you. I've got all the power right now. And you think I'm going to give what you want? No way. Unless I get exactly what I want. Again, that goes back to the Jalen stuff. But right now, we know they're not getting exactly what they want. Exactly what they want would be two first-rounders. That ain't happening. Mm -hmm. So I I disagree with Saqib in saying this is only going to help get him out of here. I don't think so. Again, I think he would have had a better chance if he had stayed quiet. I think now he's done something that few people that we have been able to do to Shad Khan. I think he's or at least – I shouldn't say visibly because he's not publicly out there. At least the Khan family yeah. showed a little emotion today. I think that's fair enough to say on social media. And, and I think once you start stoking the emotions of a guy in power, well, you're in trouble. You're not going to get what you want. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, just like Yannick Ngakwe is prideful, so is the Khan family, right? So once you attack that pride and once you grab somebody – and let's keep in mind here, like – I'm very. I don't know this. I think Tony Khan is one of the one of the guys in that front office that actually has the players' backs nine times out of ten. Okay, like I, I've never seen Tony Khan go on Twitter and criticize somebody. All right, like almost to the point where it's almost like, man, say something bad about somebody, Tony. You know. So with that being said, I think Tony Khan has done nothing but by the book in terms of how to treat players. Now with Yannick Ngakwe calling him out and everything. Does it hurt Yannick Ngakwe's staff in the, in the eyes of the Jaguars? Maybe. Does it hurt his stock? Sure. But here's the thing, Brent. You don't win Super Bowls and you don't turn teams around with emotion, especially from the front office. Okay? The last thing I want right now is for Shad Khan and Tony Khan to be like, oh, well, you know what? He, he went after me on Twitter, so now the price just went up. Like, you know, it's going to be a first rounder and a second rounder to get him out of here. Like, I don't want to see that because – it's one thing for a player to bring emotion to the table and try to get out of the organization. Fine. We've seen that. That works before. It happens all the time in the NFL. Welcome to the modern era NFL player. But I don't want to see an organization, I don't want to see a front office bring emotion into it and try to hold a grudge against somebody just to try to prove a point. Because you do not win football like that. And I got a text from somebody, and I think they're right, but... I really feel like I've been saying this for a month. The Jags and Shad Khan have to be really careful. I think the NFL in general has to be really careful to give in to these kind of things on social media for players. Mm-hmm. I think that – do you think at some point last year the NFL kind of got together? Now, this would be collusion. But the whispers of, hey, don't touch Antonio Brown. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy's not going to dictate to the NFL, to the Shield, what he's going to do. You know, he's not going to come up. If he sets this trend, we're in trouble as a league. 
And I think right now Yannick Ngakwe might be following on that. In, in a smaller circle, I really think Shad Khan has been of the mindset all along. I don't know if I want this to happen in my organization twice in six months before even today's stuff. But where a guy says, I want out and I just get, I get him out of here. I think it's a dangerous precedent to say, again, unless you get everything and you want in return, well, then you can make some sense of it. But I, I do think that's something we've been talking about for a month. And that's kind of what I've said is Shot Khan's more heavily involved in this than people think because he's aware of that, I believe. He has to be aware of that. And and now you add the emotional part in this and the sticking in the sand maybe even further than he's well, ever see, been before. It's just not – I don't think it's a good recipe for Jan. I really no, don't. No, no, I hear you, man. But what you said it, Brent, the emotion part from Shad Khan. I don't want to hear that. Yeah, he right. might not be. I'm assuming I, I that, that, that brings cool- an emotion in. Yeah, I want to hear that cooler heads prevail, okay? Like, yeah, but I'm petty. No, that's fine, man, but be petty and see where it gets you. Because being yeah. petty will not win you. I'll, I'll, I'll guarantee you right now, if you be petty and you're an NFL owner, you will not win a Super Bowl. Yeah, probably not. It, it's going to backfire in your face, and that's what I'm trying to prove it's here. It's not is getting like, you on very far right now. But guess what, man? This is player versus upper management. Okay, it's one thing for a player to do this. It's one thing for an employee to do it. The guy that runs the company, you want the guy that runs the company to be petty? Absolutely not. You cannot be successful like that. I guarantee, and Shad Khan knows this, to be successful in business, man, you can't be the emotional guy, you can't be the train wreck, and you can't hold grudges, and you can't be petty. Okay? You have to have a cool head, you have to have a calm head, and it will prevail. I'm pretty sure Shad Khan realizes that. I hope he realizes that. I hope that he heeds my warning, is all I'm saying. Because if you start bringing ego into this, and if you start bringing the direct emotion to it, man, it doesn't end well, okay? It's a fascinating thing, and Kuz brought this up. We're going to get into it a little bit later because I've got to give Jan a little rest for now because of Fournette and some other things. But we'll get back to it. And Kuz brought this up today after the last dance last night. If you're watching, so many people did, I'm sure. So good. Uh, the Is Jan the Scotty Pippen of the last dance of 97 versus 2020 Jags? You know, I mean, is there a correlation there uh, from dollars but also the, the actual – positioning you know i think more so than the dollars i think it's the positioning because jan's gonna get paid you know some way or another jan's gonna get paid 18 million dollars but it kind of feels a little bit like as we were introduced to that pippin stuff does he do you have a little bit of a uh is it relative at all to that situation now the other thing is this the bulls were trying to win one more time right the jags are not in a situation where they're going to raise a lombardi trophy next year i would even say when i first brought it up this morning this Tony Khan stuff hadn't even happened, but well, that true. almost like furthered that. Eh, there might be some similarity. Yeah, because so, of the Kraus and and you know, yeah. Kraus and Pippen yeah. obviously in that second episode, if you if you've seen it, I'm assuming you have, became a very big thing. Well, this just elevated to that status. But here's the problem though: Scotty Pippen signed the contract. Okay, his agent and Scottie Pippen said, you know what, give me that eight or ten year deal, whatever it was, give me the worst contract in seven, seven. give me the worst seven year deal in NBA history, (laughs) I will sign on the dotted line in front of management and say, you know what, I agree to this contract. What did Yannick Ngakwe do? Yannick Ngakwe said, I'm not saying any contract. I'm going to believe in myself. I'm going to see how this plays out. I'm going to go out there, risk injury, have a decent season, go into the offseason, and hopefully get a deal. And that deal has not transpired. So to me, that's why it's different. Because Scotty took the bad deal. Yannick Ngakwe believed in himself. Scotty Pippen didn't believe in himself. Scotty Pippen took the money. Uh, screw it. I'll say it right now. I, th- I was going to wait for a little bit later, but I, since we're on it, and it's a very good thought by you, but I would come back with this. And this is something I've said about this Jan situation. He did it too early. 
He did it last August when he had no leverage. The organization had all the leverage, much like when Scottie Pippen did it. He really didn't have a ton of leverage because he had this contract in front of him that he had already signed. But why? My point is, why sign the contract? Yeah, well, Say, that's hey, a different animal. I'm Scottie Pippen. Yeah. No, that's. I'm just saying their leverage is about the same though. Uh, when when 97 for Pippen, yeah. you had to get somebody to rip up the deal. Mm-hmm. Well, last year when this all started for Yannick Ngakwe, he was trying he was trying to hold like this level of power in this negotiation that he didn't have. But then Yannick get offered about 17 million dollars, and he tore up that con- that contract with this. Team. Uh, he did do that. So yeah. there you go. There's a difference, man. Yeah, and there's a lot more money to be made for Jan. But sure. I like I love the parallel, by the way, Kuz. I think it's interesting. And now, then we didn't even know when we brought this up, like Kuz yeah. brought up, that then it hits like. The- is this the Kraus Pippen yeah. <laughs> level? Yeah. Now that we got this social media yeah. back and forth, absolutely fascinating. Let's go to the phone lines uh, and we switch topics a little bit to Leonard Fournette mm-hmm. on the trading blocks. According to Adam Schefter, over the weekend, which to be honest with you wouldn't be that much of a surprise. I think he's the only player left outside of Jan that holds some value in return that the Jaguars could get in. He's going into the final year of his deal. The way the CBA is written now, that fifth year is not going to be picked up. And this is it for Leonard Fournette. I'll tell you in a bit, though, why I think they should keep him. First, let's go to Steven. Welcome to Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, man. Hope you had a good weekend. Uh, I, I sure did. I hope you guys did as well. Uh, if I may make one comment at least, Jan should remember the old saying of don't bite the hand that feeds. Because he went after the owner. Uh, but my main question was, since this whole Leonard thing coming out, how will that affect the Jags, you think, and maybe how they go about the draft right now? And if I may add, Austin, I put my mock draft list on YouTube comments. Be as honest as you want on it. <laughs> Thanks, man. We appreciate you participating in Shock Your Mock. We're getting to that in just a little bit, we promise. And we'll do it all week long as well. So if we don't get to yours today, I think we picked seven or eight of them out today. Seven or eight, yep. And we'll do more of them uh, throughout the rest of the week, all the way up until Thursday night. Shock Your Mock. Good luck. I can't wait till uh, Austin rips mine, my latest pick. But for that, does it change what they're doing? I don't think it really does, man. Uh, I don't think this is going to – the Jags have a lot of needs. They have wide receiver. They just released Marquise Lee today. We mm-hmm. knew that was coming. They have enough wide receivers, but they want upgrades, and they don't have a lot of guys under contract after next year or this year, this coming year. So they, they want a receiver investment. Plus, I think they need to get Gardner Minshew one. Offensive line, certainly upgradable. You can never have enough of them. You can get better there, although the fans want offensive line way more than anybody in that building, I'm, I firmly believe, uh, at least in the front part of the draft. Defensive line, we know it's a big need. Cornerback, it's a huge need. It might be the most gaping hole, actually, the Jaguars have with Ramsey and Boye gone. Running back is on the table. They mm-hmm. like Rock Armstead. But we thought a change of pace guy was needed anyway. Correct. We think the, well, I think the philosophy is going to be different this year and more about Minshew, less about Leonard, even if he is on well, the team. I don't disagree with okay, that. I, just, I mean, I, I don't want to put I've words been, in No, no, you're fine. I've been very adamant saying that the cool thing with Gruden is the fact that he spreads the ball around. You Absolutely. Know, he's a very dynamic offense. So the Jaguars need another back regardless. Mm-hmm. What I don't think the rumors of Fournette make you go get a guy in the first round if Swift is there. Second round even to jump up and get somebody. Maybe you move up to go get a Cam Akers in the third round. Because it makes sense to get him anyway, and you're sitting there at 73 and say he's still available at 65. You got all this draft capital, all that. So they might jump up like that. But what I'm trying to say is, I don't, regardless of what happens with Fournette, mm. 
I don't believe their mindset in the draft is going to change in the early stages of it. They are drafting a running back, maybe even two in this draft, I believe. And I think with or without Fournette still here, that's going to happen. So the question is, do they change up their philosophy? Is that, that's, that's what, what he asked. Yeah. yeah. Um, to me, you have to. Okay, because I haven't seen a lot from Rock Armstead. Okay, to me, Leonard Fournette last year, look at his receptions. Did he lead the team in receptions last year, Leonard Fournette? Uh, I think he did. He had like 80 or 70 okay. or something. So kind of a, a big piece to your offense. Will you lose that now? And can the question is, can Rock Armstead come in and take over that spot? How, how should I know, Brent? Because I've seen the guy get one touchdown and probably get about, I don't know, maybe 20 plays the entire season. So I'm not sure what Rock Armstead brings to the table. And then on top of that, if you do go after a guy in the mid-rounds, well, how much is he going to bring to the table? All right? Like, I get it. Jags fans all come out and say Leonard Fournette wasn't worth the value of that pick, that what he was worth, the third pick of the draft or whatever Fourth, like that. Yeah. Fourth pick of the draft. I get that. But is there a Leonard Fournette right now in this up-and-coming draft? Is there a guy that can match him or even be better than Leonard Fournette this year? I think possible. You could make Possibly. the case for a guy like Swift, absolutely. Maybe Swift, yeah. maybe Jonathan Taylor. But Brent, Jonathan the, Taylor. But yeah. the question is, I, I don't know. Okay, and that's the problem where if you want to see what Minshew's got, if you're actually, quote, trying to win ball games, how does trading away Leonard Fournette for maybe a third or fourth round pick, how does that help you, man? How does that help Garner Minshew? And a Jay Gruden offense that, yes, he loves to pass, but even when Gruden was in Cincinnati, he had success. They're still toting the rock to Green Ellis, okay? When he was in Washington, they're toting the rock to Adrian Peterson. So one would think that he would still enjoy Leonard Fournette and what he brings from a skill set. You lose that, I think you lose part of your offense. And then you lose part of your offense for Gardner Minshew to be successful. So to me, the cons just outweigh all the positives of being able to trade him away. Yeah, Listen, I think it's a good point. Uh, first of all, the reality is you're trying to replace 1,600 yards in production. Now you're replacing three touchdowns. The reality is he's not going to get 1,600 yards this year because I've already told you, or at least I believe, that, and we have said, the philosophy is going to be different. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be Leonard, 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 Leonard right, Leonard left, Leonard in the passing game. It's not going to be that. Which could help him, actually. It could. Yeah. It could. Uh, but it's the focal point will not be Leonard. Here's why I think the Jaguars have to be really careful in getting rid of Leonard Fournette. And it starts with the 1,600 yards. He's their best player on offense. I mean, DJ Shark had a fantastic year. Gardner Minshew might take the step in your quarterback. You really hope is your best player on offense. Maybe somebody emerges. Maybe Josh Oliver emerges. Maybe Tyler Eifert stays healthy. Maybe Dede Westbrook finally has a big year. But let's just say front and center. Are you willing to give up your, your best offensive player even if it is kind of a rebuild and not really we're all in to win for, I mean, what is he going to get, man? Like a fifth-round pick? Fourth-round pick? I would, there might be a team out there that's super desperate and might get a third-round pick, but if it's me, I, I think more a fourth- or fifth-round pick. The, this is the running back position after all, Brent. After all, I mean, why wouldn't you just give up? It's a manageable contract, absolutely. But why wouldn't you just... Invest in somebody in the draft in your fourth round and give that pickup. I mean, you might have just as much luck doing that, 
right? Ooh, I mean, Kansas and, and, City, I think people brought up. That makes some sense, right? They have okay, a lot of pieces. Yeah, go ahead and give them a goal line back now because that's all that needs more offense. But, Come but, on. But, no, no, I, I agree. That, that, that makes sense for them. Bucks? Makes no, sense. I'm kidding. I'm being sarcastic. Like, I don't want to <laughs> see him go to Kansas City. I think Kansas City's got enough talent as it is. They don't need Leonard Fournette. My biggest gripe, Brent, is the fact that this up-and-coming year, are you trying to compete for an AFC South division? Probably not. Let's be realistic right now. But what you're supposed to be trying to do is see if Gardner Minshew is the guy going forward. And if you take away your leading receiver and your leading rusher and trade him someplace else, that does not help Gardner Minshew. Now, I understand. The last game of the season when Fournette sat out, Minshew had his best game of the year. Hands down. Looked great. I don't care, okay, because the Colts secondary was not all healthy. They obviously had some guys sitting out, and I think it was kind of more of an asterisk next to that game than anything. I think Gardner Minshew and that offense is better with Leonard Fournette on the field than him getting traded. So that's why I don't want to see Fournette go. That's why I say you just, you know, let Fournette have this season. And keep in mind what Fournette's got at stake. This is about to be a contract year. You hit it. For Leonard Fournette. Thanks for getting it. You're welcome. It took me a while to get there. Yeah. So keep in mind. Because to be honest with you, my mind blanked. You're all good. Well, and I'm sure that a lot had to do with your mock draft today. We'll get there later. <laughs> whole lot of mind blanking today for Brett Marno, but we'll touch on that later. But that's the thing, Brent. This player has more motivation right now on that team than anybody. Because this is the year where if he comes out and totes the rock and puts up big numbers then he's getting paid. Yes. Okay? Then, then he's try, probably going to make Derrick Henry type money. Not Derrick Henry type money, but he's making close he's to Derrick Henry. More than he's Henry. going to make. Exactly. And that's why it's so important. So why would you want that guy around? Do you think Leonard Fournette's going to stick around even though maybe the culture he doesn't like, maybe the management he doesn't like? But you know what, man? This is the most important year of your life, and you cannot mess it up. The ball's in your court, and you, you got to drain the bucket. You can't throw it out of bounds. I, I love that, and thank you for bringing that up. You're welcome, seriously, man. a little inside my head uh, just now. Yeah. I was like, all day, I'm like, hey, I like this topic today because I really believe this is a reason why. Well, as we get on the topic, I'm like, what the heck was the reasoning why I wanted to say? <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I totally have lost it. No, we got to with the on stuff, and then you finally got me onto it. Yeah. So I was dancing a little bit there. You're all good, now, man. I do think your number one weapon, taking them off your offense, taking them out from your play. Listen, the Jags could operate better. Mitch, you might be better playing out of the shotgun more, mm. running things through him. Absolutely. But you are talking about a guy who's talented. You're talking about a guy who has done some pretty good things in the NFL. I, I think Leonard just takes a beating sometimes. I understand. It wasn't his fault he got picked fourth overall. He has contributed. And if he has a big year this year, by the way, you're going to look at his numbers and say, that's pretty good. Pretty good in four years. You can make the case if he has a good year, by the way. He's got way better first four years than even a Derrick Henry. Henry sure. came on late. But you nailed it for me. Why not get everything you can out of Leonard Fournette? The, unfortunately for because the running he will back, give you everything. Unfortunately for the running back position, it's the nature of the position. Sorry, Maurice Jones, Drew, and Freddie T. You know, I love you, but the nature of the position is use them as much as you can, and then good luck if you get four more years in you or two more years in you. God world. bless you. It's, it's a cold world. It's man. just the way it exists. Yeah. And so if you pick this guy top five, and as long as he's not that much of a headache internally, which is debatable, uh, I think 
you do exactly what you said because you're going to get the most out of him. You know, the situation with Cam Robinson is not the worst thing in the world. You know why? It's a contract year. Mm-hmm. Contract years in sports are huge. If you go back and look at 2017 and the makeup of their team, yes, they brought in some big-time free agents, but they also had guys in contract years, including their quarterback, Blake Bortles, who played some of the best football that he ever played in his life and maybe ever will. Mm-hmm. So having those guys in those situations where there's a chip on their shoulder, they're focused, they know the money exists, beyond bigger than it's ever has if they play well in that season is not a bad thing for a football team i think you will have a leonard fournette focus i think you'll have a leonard fournette willing to put it all on the line because you know what i think leonard fournette likes money mm-hmm. and I, th- I think a lot of us like money but i think leonard fournette really likes money yeah and i think fournette will be motivated to cash in at the end of this year let's go to the phone lines real quick we got a call on fournette before we shift uh, gears Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Uh, this is John. Hey, John, what's up, man? Nothing too much. How about y'all? We're doing great. Yeah, so I was wanting to talk about Fournette. Um, obviously, I think Fournette's one of my favorite players on the Jacks team, but um, and he's obviously a really great player in the NFL, but I can't help but to think, you know, back in, uh, what was it, 2017, it's been so long since we had a good year. <laughs> um Back in 2017, though, you know, he had a productive year, but, you know, we usually won our games when we didn't have him, you know, and it's it's a really weird thing to think about. But and another thing I'd like to mention is the fact that um, right now the team's trying to set a precedence, you know, of, hey, this is a new standard that we have. Um, when I saw Jalen Ramsey – on the sidelines, you know, pushing Doug Marone, I was like, this team has no discipline. And so um, I'm thinking in the same thing that um, Fournette's, Fournette's a guy who who's a good player, but is he really worth, you know, bogging the team down with his lack of discipline? Yeah, he's had a better year as far as discipline issues go on and off the field, but at the same time, he's kind of like one of those Dante Fowlers um, who – you might have to be worrying about. And the team, you know, it's, it's hard to say, you know, that they uh, are draft or, or trying to get rid of them or whatever, but at the same time, is it almost worth it knowing that you could that you could win without them and also knowing that it could possibly set a bad precedence, you know, for the rest of the year in this new culture that they're building? Yeah, John, thanks for the call, man. Appreciate you listening to Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. It's an interesting comparison to Dante Fowler, right? Fowler has a lot of good things going on, but you're a little nervous about what Dante's going to show up. Uh, I think there's an element to that. I think it's on a different scale, but I think there's an element of that to Fournette. Bottom line is, listen, Fournette's not going to be here after next year. He's not. Mm-hmm. But I do believe you might be better off this year with Fournette on the football field. Now, they have to weigh all the internal stuff. Is, is, is Mark really right about coaches? Can he, don't he want to work with him? Is he a bad teammate? Is all that stuff that he kind of did last year really a, a facade? You know, he, they have to determine I that mean, they know that. Bro, the guy spent three months in Wyoming. Is that a facade? I don't know. Go, I don't know. Go live in Wyoming for three months and then tell me how that goes for you. Yeah, I mean, listen, character concerns are, are now being but, spread out. Uh, and, and by the way, what are you going to get in compensation? So I think it's threefold. you got a guy who have a chip on his shoulder, a guy that – uh, you're not going to get that much for in return, I don't believe, probably for the value of him that he can give you. And he's your best offensive player. I don't think – I'd try to make it work out with Leonard Fournette more than i trade away Leonard Fournette here this week. Listen, I'm not concerned about Leonard Fournette being a problem this year in the locker room because he understands this, Brent. You should understand this, and I understand this, where 
if you have a great year, then you're going to get paid. And I get it. You're at the running back position. But you know what, man? You've been pretty dirt. I mean, well, you're durable last year to the last game of the season. But teams will be intrigued by you. So if you go out there, you act like a good teammate, even a captain, dare I say, and you go out there and tote the rock, someone's going to pay you. Because that's the way the NFL works. So he's not going to be a distraction, I don't think. He's not going to be a liability. Because if he is, man, that hurts him. All of a sudden, if he's not playing in the game, if they bench him, well, then their goal is numbers, man. For the running back position, it's all about numbers. It's all about your average. It's all about the number of touchdowns you get. It's all about how you look on film. If he's not out there to make the plays because of his lack of discipline, unquote, well, then... That's on him, but I don't see that happening. And I'll make an argument, too. You got a guy like Miles Jack. I remember seeing Miles Jack last year get dragged off the field by Ernest Wilford in the first game of the season against yeah. the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay? Well, that guy's a captain. That guy just got paid. So what are we talking about where distractions to the team, detriments to the team, detriments to the culture? When I can make an argument, last year I think Leonard Fournette was probably even a better captain than Miles Jack was. At least what I what I saw, and maybe I'm completely lost, and maybe I didn't see the the behind the scenes stuff with Leonard Fournette and and the coach and stuff like that. I'm just going by what I saw on the field and what I heard. I didn't see anything wrong with Leonard Fournette. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, it, I didn't either. I didn't see that kind of stuff. You know. Uh, but what did you see? But you saw Miles Jack get carried off the field. Yeah. So, so uh, listen, you know, listen, you know better than anybody stuff that goes on behind the scenes in meeting rooms, uh, whether it's. You know, time spent or in a, in, a, in the headquarters or just little things that might add up, right? That even the public sometimes – you could tell us stories for days mm-hmm. about guys you played with that the public would have no idea about. Of course. And so is there more of that? Well, it sounds like to some that there might be more of that with Leonard. And, um, and maybe it wasn't as a 180 in some people's eyes as it felt like to the public eye. Uh, from 2018 to 2019, I still think it's a risky deal and maybe not worth it to get Fournette out of here. I understand if you can get some value. Third-round pick would seem pretty good. Anything below that, I'm not sure it's worth it to put the product product on the field. You have to surround Minshew with some stuff still. You know, don't keep take don't take away his best player. Well, that and a safety blanket as well, because you have a tight end in Tyler Eifert, but can he stay healthy when when the pocket gets collapsed? And there's pressure on Gardner Minshew. Who's he throwing to? Yeah. Leonard Fournette. If he's gone, then what? Hey, 5 o'clock hour, we have Sal Palantonio coming on. Are the Eagles interested, interested in Yannick Ngakwe? We'll have a little more Fournette talk on the way as well. Uh, but coming up next, Trevon Diggs. Come on down. Cornerback. Oh, Alabama. Man. Why I picked him on Go Look and Wingo this morning. I can't wait it's on for ESPN this. ESPN 690 next. I think our next step is going to be to get together as a group, and uh, and, and the plan is, is going to be to connect uh, with Jamal at some point after the draft. That's Joe Douglas, Jamal Adams talking about New York Jets, and the Jags could dance a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Jets and the Jags have been kind of related in the organization for on a bunch of different topics. Whether it was Tebow, Dave Caldwell turned down the Jets, I think uh, for the Jags. And could they dance a little bit here in the 2020 draft or leading up to it? We'll see. Uh, Fournette doesn't make sense for Jamal Adams. That's not going to happen. But Yannick Ngakwe certainly uh, certainly could or could have been. Fred <laughs> 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 uh, Martineau, Austin Lane, Coos, here on a Monday. All right, here was the deal, people. <clears throat> I've been tasked with picking for the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
on Golik and Wingo's Mock Draft 2020. Mm-hmm. I did so on Thursday with the ninth overall selection. I picked Javon Kinlaw. Fantastic pick. Austin Lane loves it. Could've a lot of people happier. wanted to fire me after the ninth pick. Well, a few did, Brent, but let's be honest. I think the overall majority, we're with you, man. We're behind you. Yeah, yeah, the whole city behind you. Uh, not the whole city. Okay, some of the city was behind you. But ba- relevant, Related to this one, yeah, I had the whole city behind me. Correct. So here I am sitting at number 20. The Dallas Cowboys, by the way, going into this day, through the first 16 picks, C.D. Lamb's still on the board. Well, mm. I'm running up, pulling a hammy on the virtual podium mm. to get C.D. Lamb if he's around. The Dallas freaking Cowboys, with Amari Cooper there, and they need help on defense, mm. they take C.D. Lamb. Mm-hmm. Now, I think the Dolphins would have taken him anyway, although the Dolphins took a tackle in Josh Jones. And then Kenneth Murray was off the board, which it makes no sense for a linebacker to come to Jacksonville with the 20th overall pick. Yep. Friday, you wrote down in an envelope who you yes. thought my final four would be. Just like that Kevin Costner movie where you, you said so-and-so no matter what day. on draft day. Yes. You did the, the same. documentary. Yes. And so we'll reveal that after we reveal this. This is how it went down this morning on ESPN 690 on Go Look and Wingo. Let's go to Jacksonville. Yet again on this one, and to help us out with the Jacksonville Jaguars at pick number 20, we bring back, bring back Brent Martineau from ESPN 690 in Jacksonville. Brent, the floor is yours. Good morning. With the 20th overall selection in the 2020 Golick and Wingo mock draft, the Jacksonville Jaguars pick Trevon Diggs, cornerback, Alabama. Mel Kuyper Jr.'s player profile. You look at Diggs, obviously the brother of Stephon Diggs. You look at the size at 6'1 half, former receiver at 205 pounds. They're very well coached with Nick Saban. There's defensive backs. Nick works with them in practice, pushes them hard to develop their technique. Diggs, though, I thought this year at times you looked at some hiccups in coverage. I'd like to see him shore that up a bit. There's a guy that you could make an argument after Jeff Okuda and C.J. Henderson and Noah Ikbenogany from Auburn in terms of talent. He's right there with that top three or four corners in this draft. Well, we have him as the third one. He's the third cornerback off the board. And, Brent, you earlier picked for Jacksonville. Javon Kinlaw, the D-tackle out of South Carolina, with pick number nine, taking that spot for Calais Campbell. Is this another kind of filler role, Jalen Ramsey gone, bringing another cornerback? Yeah, ironically, this would be the Rams pick that the Jaguars got for the trade with Jalen Ramsey. But cornerback has to be addressed in the first few rounds of this draft for the Jags. And I'm not sure Diggs is getting enough attention. Jags have to replace Ramsey and also A.J. Boye in the secondary. And I think Diggs has traits of both of these guys. He's huge, as Mel just said, 205 pounds, long arms, tremendous wingspan. And the former receiver just knows how to go get the ball. So, hey, the best tape to watch guys on Diggs, if the Jags could get their hands on it, might be practice at Alabama going against those receivers every day. Don't be surprised if we look back on this draft in a few years and Diggs is the best corner in the class. Wow. We, we talked we talk to Trevon Diggs, and we appreciate the help this morning, Brent. We talked to Trevon Diggs earlier in this show, and he talked about going up against the host of future NFL wide receivers in that Alabama room. So we would kill for that seven-on-seven tape there. I would also kill for a spicy draft nugget right now. Pop the binder, Trey. Well, this would be interesting if, if this does happen, going to replace Jalen Ramsey, who went on to the Rams, because Diggs said he studies tape 
of Jalen Ramsey, saying Ramsey is a really ball hungry. I like that because I like the ball on my hands, even though I'm on defense. Remember, he started mm-hmm. out as a wide receiver at Alabama. And by the way, we talked about his brother, Stephon Diggs. Really, it's more of a, a fatherly relationship there because Stephon and Trevon lost their father in 2008. Aaron died of congestive heart failure at the age of 39, and the two of them working together and sort of having each other's back helped them get through this. And what's even more interesting... The first ever NFL game Trevon Diggs attended was the Minneapolis Miracle game in the 2017 playoffs when Stephon Diggs had the first ever walk-off touchdown as time expired in NFL playoff history. So we'll look forward to seeing if, if Trevon Diggs can make those kind of game-changing plays on the defensive side like we've already seen big brother Stephon do in the NFL. Yeah, really tough like standard to set right there. Oh, so this is what all these are like, huh? Yeah. Gonna need a pick six from you to finish a game in the postseason now to match Big Brother. But their, their bond is absolutely tight, so we'll see what happens there. So there you have. Hey, Austin's still here. At least he didn't walk out. I thought we might get him out. If it wasn't a shock your mock segment coming up in a little bit, he might be walking out. Well, you and the rest of Twitter didn't love my Trevon Diggs pick. So here's a little bit of an explainer. Yeah. Okay. Hey. Please. First of all, explain to me how many pots did you smoke before that interview? I'm 420. Explain that one to me. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Explain that one to me first and then answer the question. I don't like these accusations. Okay. I, I, I don't like taking Dick to the 20th pick. I had a go pot on. of coffee. But, but go on. Okay. Yeah. As I, you were. I'm going to say the wording that you used. How many pots did you smoke? <laughs> that, dude, that's from a movie. Okay. Yeah, come on. I'm quoting something. Okay. Yeah. Uh, all right. So here we go. I can go with Diggs. And by the way, this was unhealthy this weekend. How much research went into this? It's crazy. I, I woke up at 430 in the morning but Saturday night and, yeah. and was thinking about this pick. Yeah. I'm not lying. I did, so did go stressed. to the bathroom, too, but I was still thinking about this pick. You sure. Know? I mean, why? Yeah. It's a mock draft. Mm-hmm. Steph said, what the hell are you doing? Like, mm-hmm. about 14 times over the weekend. Yeah. I said, I'm studying. Mm-hmm. I'm looking. I did a lot of work on this pick. Mm-hmm. And so I go three different areas, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Lamb was an easy one. You run up and, and go Lamb. He wasn't there. Yep. So then, well, I, by the way, that, that was my so. What are you, you going to unveil it? You want to let me unveil it right now? No, no, wait, wait. Okay, I'll show you my thinking. Spoiler alert: Lamb was the first guy I had you pick up. Okay, well that's yep. and you should. I okay. mean, that's a no-brainer. I wanted to get Minshew a weapon. He was he was my third guy, by the way. But, but I'll explain the receivers here. And uh, I just I liked Aok a little bit. Mm-hmm. I like T Higgins, who we talk about. Sure. I'm not going to lie to you, man. The same thing we talked about last week with Higgins, like Scared the 31 you? inch vertical and stuff. Scared you like, you a little bit. Because I feel like I can get the 6'4 guy, the tall target in the red zone, and Pittman maybe in the second round, or even a Claypool and later trust on. trust me, I, I like Pittman a lot, too. Okay. And I'm not saying they're better than Higgins, mm-hmm. but I feel like I can get that body size. Sure. Like, Aok is like another D.D. Westbrook type size. I want different. Mm-hmm. And Lamb would have been so good of a value that I would have gone there. Sure. So receivers were off the board for me because I didn't see enough separation with my other picks coming up. There's so many receivers in the draft. Okay. I literally looked hard at defensive end. Mm, really go. looked hard at defensive end. Go on. Okay, so Epinesa was really high. I was like, safe pick at number 20. I like him. Yep. But the problem with him at 20 right now for the Jags, I thought, is they just invested like three years, $18 million into Gunter, mm-hmm. who they see playing that spot. Mm-hmm. They also have Dewan Smoot, who's coming off like a six-sack year. Now, I'm not saying Smoot's like the man. I'm asking you, do you think – 
and year one Epinesa would be better than any of those guys. It's a crowded room all of a sudden. Now, you could move Gunter over to three technique, but I just got Javon Kinlaw as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting a little crowded, and I need other spots. I'm not mad at that one, Brent, but go ahead and also tell me who was available up from the edge rush position. Okay, this is good. Okay, Kalevon Chason. Thank you, Brent. So here's what everybody's saying, and maybe more so right now, <laughs> but I see my my thinking with Chason. Let's hear it. Is he's Jan, right? Well, my thinking with Jan is he's going to be here mm. going into this. I know a lot of people think he's gone. I don't. Okay. I think he's here. Well, now I really think he might be here. But, but he's I, here I, for a year, though. He is here for a year. Okay. So you got then you got Josh Allen and you got uh, Chason and oh. and you've got Jan all in those spots. Again, you have a lot of needs on this football team. Mm-hmm. I will also give you this. I told you I did research. How about this? No defensive end since 2013 that has been picked 20 or below in the first round has been good. None since what year? Since 2000 and well through 13. You have to go back okay. to 2012 to find me a – now, I'll give you this. Montez Sweat might be. Josh Allen's pretty good. No, but he wasn't picked oh, in the 20s. Oh, in the 20s. I got you. I'm, I'm sorry. Saying, okay. So I'm... my mentality is if you're going to pick an edge rusher okay. or a defensive gotcha. edge, you've got to do it early. Gotcha. Because you have to go back to 2012 to find Chandler Jones and Whitney Merciless mm. to get big-time production when you're in the 20s. Taven Bryan obviously hasn't delivered. But I'll tell you this. Taven Bryan might be one of the bigger names since 2013 to be picked at the defensive line position and be productive. They have There's none. Go back and look at it. It's fascinating, really. You'd have better luck in the second or third round finding guys that have been productive than you would t- picks number 20 through 32. Okay. All right? So did some homework there. Next I job. thought offensive lineman, but Austin Jackson, he's like the sixth offensive lineman off the board. I can get some depth in the third round or fourth round in this draft. I'm going to do that instead. So it really came down to corners. Mm-hmm. So corners for me. And I like those other guys, like Gladney and Johnson. It's it's really beauty in the eye of the beholder. You could you could sell me on Johnson. You could sell me on Gladney. You could sell me on Fulton. Mm. And you can sell me on Diggs. Mm-hmm. I really wrestled between Fulton and Diggs. I know, because you sent me a text message. <laughs> <laughs> I did, and he wouldn't help me. Wouldn't help you. I wasn't, wouldn't, he wasn't going to budge. Uh, but I tried to help you, but you, you didn't see my cryptic text. Yeah, back. yeah. So here's here's what I did, okay? I basically said, I'm going to find something in the top 20 that I can't teach. And Akuda's one of the top five corners in the in this draft, I think because of the unteachable measurables. He's got the Jalen Ramsey measurables. He's 6'1", uh, 6'1 and a half, 205 pounds. He's got long arms. He's got the wingspan. He's got speed. He's obviously good on tape, and, and he's done a great job at Ohio State. Well, this guy is in that mold. The reason why Diggs isn't higher, in my opinion, twofold. One, people love the NFL Combine and the testing and all that stuff, and he didn't do it, so he didn't slide, because that's where people slide up and down boards a lot this time of year. Yeah. And I just think he's more raw than any of these guys, because he played wide receiver, and he played kick returner and punt returner a bit early on. He was a receiver coming in Alabama, and he also got hurt in 18. So... I just think there's a raw side. He's a little green at the position. But I said, you know what? You can't teach this kind of athleticism. Mm. And I like the upside more than I do with Fulton. I will say one thing entered my mind with Fulton. Not the drug test. Not anything else. I had a weird gut. It was just not bad gut on after reading and doing a lot of work on Fulton. I'm like, I don't think he's going to be elite. Mm. This guy could be elite. Mm-hmm. 
So I can't wait. I'm keeping receipts on all of you people that question this pick. Do it. And I'm coming back. Do it. And I'm going to tell you when Trevon Diggs is the best corner in the class of 2020. So Kuz told me we have three minutes left of this segment. Kuz, I'm going to need about ten minutes here because I'm about to go on a little bit of a rant. So Brent woke up this morning, fantastic mood. I thought to myself, and I played this out in a million ways during my meditation periods, I'm like, there's no way Brent Marneau can screw this mock draft up, okay? Because somebody's going to fall to him. All you got to do, pull the trigger, and we're good to go. And keep in mind, I think number nine, Brent, your Kinlaw pick, sensational. Chef's kiss. I thought the show was represented in the best of lights. You had every opportunity. I was behind you. Kuz was behind you. The whole city was behind you. We're going through tough times right now, man. We're in quarantine. The, the city of Jacksonville, it needs hope. There's been bad optics here for the past year and a half. You had the opportunity to provide hope. And what'd you do? You spit in everybody's face. And do you know why? Because you took, you took Trevon Dix. Now, here's, here's my, by the way, screw this note thing, because I, I was completely off for you. So would you have me take? So here we had. So I had taken Lamb. Lamb was off the board. The second guy I had you taken was Shazon. Okay, he was there. The third guy, Epinesa. Yeah, he's in the conversation. And the fourth guy was Fulton. You you had the final four other than Diggs. Yes. I mean, I didn't put Lamb in my final four because I didn't think he was going to be there. My final four, number one, even above Lamb, was Shazon. Number two, even above Lamb, was Fulton. Number three was Lamb. And number four was Gross Matos. So I'm not hating it. I can sit here and say you should have got Shays on because it never hurts to have the edge rusher. I can sit here and tell you I think he's the, a very explosive player. I think he's got one of the best first steps um, of any player. And uh, you know, then the combine, obviously, in any NFL player coming into his rookie year. I can sit here and tell you where I think if the Jaguars want to transition to more of a 3-4 look, he'd be perfect for that. I can sit here and tell you and say, you know what, even though Yannick Ngakwe is here, you don't need Chazon to play 30, 40 reps a game. Just put him in there for 20. Get him you know, his, his chops clean and everything like that. Let him work his power his edge rushes, and let him go from there. I can sit here and tell you that, but you, but you didn't go that way. And you know what? I'm upset, but that's fine. But here's my real gripe. You picked Trevon Diggs over Christian Fulton. Okay, what what was your biggest point to take Trevon Diggs? What would you say to, to, to Goal Kawingo? What was the biggest point that, that you liked in Diggs? Uh, his size, size, but also Length. that, also that what he went against Alabama every day in practice. Oh yeah, I added that in. Yeah. I wouldn't say that was his biggest point, it was, but I would... it, it was a nice touch. Question for you: How much is Trevon Diggs' agent paying you right now? <laughs> I'm being serious. <laughs> now I got a check from uh, Venmo from Stefan. Actually, oh, okay, okay, I got you. I got you. Here's my point: One could argue that the biggest game last year in the SEC was between who? LSU and Alabama. Yeah, right. That's when all the eyes were watching. I watched that game. Do you know what Trevon Diggs in that game? Did, do you know what he did? Gave up the court? He gave up ten catches. He gave up ten catches for 147 yards and one touchdown. Also had a 33% tackling grade in that game. Do you know what Christian Fulton did in that game against who? who you put it some great wide receivers in Alabama. Receivers. Do you know what he did against uh, against um, Alabama? Had a good day. He only allowed three catches. For 39 yards and zero touchdowns, the defense rests, ladies and gentlemen. And I apologize on the behalf of Brent Martineau and ESPN 690. I apologize for that Trevon Diggs pick. Now, if he comes here, i got to face him like a man, and I'll do that. 
But I think you missed a prime opportunity in taking Christian Fulton, who's a shutdown corner, to say the least. That was a good uh, defense right there. I will say this. you got to be very careful. A.J. Terrell, all the top guys, if you measure them against LSU last year, it's dangerous. They all stunk. They also now Fulton didn't have to play him. Yeah, but Alabama. But you're right. Fulton had to go against him in practice. I just like the I like the measurables more on on uh, Diggs than Fulton. Fulton scares me a little bit. I like holding Alabama to three catches and 39 yards. <laughs> That's, That's what I idea. love. The eye in the sky does not lie. you got to watch the film, Brett. By the way, I hope I went all, I flipped totally on this one. I didn't want him taking a corner with the Rams pick and Jalen <laughs> Ramsey, and I flipped and I went all in. In That's fact, I, I, hope, I hope Diggs picks uniform number 20. Oh, should have been Saison. because been Ramsey wanted it. Should have been Fulton or Saison, Brett. <laughs> when we come back, Sal Palantonio will join us. Plus, you thought that mock was tough for me. How about yours? Shock your mock coming up in the 5 o'clock hour on ESPN 690.